You're listening to the Sports Blog New York Podcast. My name is Peter Kennedy. I am your host. Thank you so much, as always, for tuning in to the SBNY Podcast on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, SoundCloud, wherever you're listening. I appreciate it greatly that you take some time out of your day to listen to what we got to say over here on the SBNY Pod. If you like what you've been hearing, don't be bashful. Don't be afraid. Go on that iTunes app, the Apple Podcast app, drop some stars, drop a little rating uh, or review. I really do love hearing from uh, the listeners here, whether it be on those iTunes Apple Podcast app or on Twitter. You can hit me at Pete Kennedy with two Ys or at Sportblog NYC, both on Twitter. Hit me up. I'd love to chat about our takes, about the Yankees, about the Giants and Jets, about basketball because the Knicks and Nets are around the corner. The NBA is around the corner. We had media day this week. You know, by Monday, we got preseason starting to kick off, or is it not Monday? Maybe it's later in the week. I forget. I'll double-check as we go here. But today on the program, we got some stuff to talk about. I had a lot of Yankee stuff planned, but unfortunately, my main man, Alec Argento, my Yankee guy, we had a little scheduling conflict, so I'm here solo. Nonetheless, going to give you some Yankee tidbits, some things I'm really looking forward to with that wild-card game, and hopefully beyond, and hopefully beyond, right? Uh, some things we're looking forward to with the Yankees in that regard. And then also we're going to run through some Giants and Jets chatter. And then, of course, of course, we got the NFL Week 4 picks. Another 1-2 and two week for your boy. I mean, it just it hasn't been great. It hasn't been great. But it's not like we're striking out. We're getting some. I'm proud of the picks. We're getting some good ones in there. And we're going to make it happen. But, hey, Sports Blog New York Podcast. My name is Pete Kennedy. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Yankees, Giants, Jets, NFL Week 4 picks. Sit back, relax. Stay tuned. All right. This week, we're going to get some money and get the cake and spend the money and get the cake. Whatever the lyric says in this little intro tune I got here. This week's going to be a good one. I got a couple picks up my sleeve that I do like. I'm, I'm not saying I'm going 3-0 this week. I'm not going to come here and say I'm going 3-0 this week. But 2 out of 3 ain't bad, my one my one pal Meatloaf once said. And I think that's a good chance for at least a 2 out of 3 on my 3 picks this week. Because, I mean, you know. One out, of, one out of three, it's not cutting it. Got to step up the game a little bit. Got to get to two out of three here, and I'm going to do that later in the program. But first, like I said in the open, without my Yankee guy, Alec, I'm not going to do a complete deep dive into the Yankees here, but I do have a couple uh, of things I have to look out for come this wild card game and hopefully beyond, like I said earlier. Because as you know, if you listen to the SBNY podcast, I am by no means a Yankees fan. But... Just the fact that they're in it makes me care about baseball a little bit more, right? Because let's be honest, if you're a Mets fan here, you may not even be interested in the Yankees in the first place. But assuming you're more interested in the Yankees than anything else, if you're just a Mets fan, there's a good chance that there's no Yankees in the MLB playoffs that you're not watching at all, that you're moving on to football, you're moving on to basketball. But as a New Yorker, as a listener of the SBNY podcast, and if, as, a, as, a, as a baseball fan, you kind of have to root for the Yankees here to at least get in it. I mean, granted, if you are a Mets fan who does not like to see the Yankees succeed, you, you don't have to root for them to win the World Series, but if you like baseball and you like the playoffs, you like baseball in October, you got to pull for the Yanks here. you got to pull 
for this team to at least get through the wild card and hopefully face the Red Sox because that is exciting. I mean, you could root for them to lose after that, but after the wild card game, you know, all bets are off. Before that, you really want your New York team to be in it. So no hard feelings today on this podcast. No hard feelings, no poking fun. Nothing nothing joking around on the Yankees here. I know I like to do that when I get the chance, which isn't that often, to be quite honest. I often find myself defending the Yankees against some of you crazy Yankee fans out there. But nonetheless, we're keeping it honest. We're keeping it positive here, and we're keeping it curious because that's really my main point here with the New York Yankees. This is a, This is a different type of team. Now, I know last year the team was one game away from the World Series. And they had this fantastic season. And it was almost storybook where they weren't expected to do too much. Some people, long shot wild card, long shot division, ended up being a great team pretty much all season long. And then obviously made a fantastic run in the playoffs. This year, the expectations were very real. And if it wasn't for a 100-win Boston Red Sox team, this team would be absolutely stuck in the driver's seat, ready to go full throttle. Unfortunately, that's not the case. And this team is, in fact, different than the team we saw last year. And just off the bat, let's think about the past couple weeks, a month, two months here. Who have been some of the, the key guys you look for for production? It hasn't been Aaron Judge because of injury. It hasn't fully been D.D. Gregorius because of injury. It's been guys who were not on this team a season ago. It's been Miguel Andujar and Glaber Torres and Giancarlo Stanton and Andrew McCutcheon and Luke Voigt. Luke Voigt. Yes, that's correct. Filling a Voigt on this team. Bad joke, sorry. Um, this team's different. It's real easy to look back to last year, but this team was a game away from the playoffs. But Jay Happ wasn't here last year. Luis Severino was looking like one of the best pitchers in baseball at this time last year. Right now, you know, how much confidence do you have in that guy? Tanaka's Tanaka, CC is CC. All true, all true. Jay Happ's a new Yankee. And Duhar this season, new Yankee. Torres, Stanton, Voigt, McCutcheon. Those are some real names who are in the lineup day in, day out. Last year you had a Greg Bird resurgence, or just surgence. I don't think he resurged. I think it was just a surge in the playoffs where he had some big home runs. Doesn't seem like he might even get in the lineup this year. Gary Sanchez, up and down year. Last year he was a beast. So this is a different team. And I mentioned a bunch of things right there that are very different about this team without mentioning the fearless leader in Aaron Boone. He is also different for this team, obviously. So I have three things here that I kind of want to just point out that are really important to look towards because when you listen to the callers on the talk radio and you check out Twitter and you chat with your buddies... There are a few things that really jump out to Yankee fans, and there are a few things that need to be watched closely come wild card game and come, hopefully, beyond the wild card game. And I mentioned two of those things, and the first one is Aaron Boone. 
Fans, from my opinion, do not like Aaron Boone very much. I mean, even in some games here that are semi-meaningful, and let me make sure I clarify, they are semi-meaningful because on one hand, you want to make sure you have home field, but it's close to locked up. But you're also pretty much in the playoffs or in the wild card, right? So these games, are they're meaningful, don't get me wrong, but they're not, you're not fighting with division anymore. You're out on that race, right? So even in semi-meaningless games or only semi-meaningful games, I'm going to look at the glass half full here, semi-meaningful games, Aaron Boone decides to start Jonathan Holder and do the whole bullpen game or, you know, you know the whole thing where a guy pitches inning or two, inning or two, yada, yada, yada. And some people are upset with that, right? Some people aren't happy and they say he already can't handle a bullpen. You're going to make him do it for a whole game. He doesn't know how to put a lineup together now. He needs to do a lineup and a bullpen from the first inning on. And people are complaining, and rightfully so, because let's be honest, his bullpen management hasn't been fantastic, right? But there's something to be said about an entire regular season where you can really just, you can isolate one thing at a time, and you can harp on it, and you can remember it. You could see something on a Tuesday, maybe you miss Wednesday's game, and that Tuesday thing that you saw, it could just stick with you, right? But what comes down to playoff baseball is that decision that makes the difference, right? So he could be not your guy this entire year. You can be mad at Aaron Boone. You can think he's not the guy for the job, not thinking he has the conviction or or the the inner internal fortitude. Is that thing that people say? That's something people say. You can think all these things about Aaron Boone, but when it comes wild card night, if he's able to push the right button. If some of these bullpen guys come in, whether it be a Britain, a Batances, a Robertson, if they do just fine and shut the door, Aaron Boone, does he look like a genius? Does he get the credit? Or does his guys just get the job done? I mean, on the realistic side of things, it's both, obviously, right? Because you can't be hating on a guy when the guy he puts in blows it. But if he puts in the same guy and he does well, oh, well, Aaron Boone didn't do anything, right? So I'm very interested to see, A, how his decisions play out just because you got to see if the Yankees are going to win a game. And will it be a key decision by Aaron Boone, whether pulling out a starter for a long, uh, a quicker port, uh, part of the game or letting him stay in a little bit longer? It's going to be very interesting to see how his decisions impact a game. Because it could be one of the games where there's no pinch hitters, there's no pinch runners, a uh, starter pitcher came, comes in for seven, and you go for two relievers, one inning a pop. Those aren't very hard decisions. But if it's the fifth inning in a game, and Tanaka's struggling, or whoever gets the start in the wildcard game is struggling, and he pulls him out early, now the decisions start rolling. And granted, he is an American League coach, no pinch hit may be necessary, but hey, it may be a decision to be made for Aaron Boone there. So on one hand, you got to see how his decisions actually play out. But then on the other hand, and this is probably more interesting to me, just because the the fan side of sports is really just fascinating to me sometimes. How are people going to react to his decisions? Will he get some slack? Obviously, it all depends on how it plays out. What will his lineup look like? Will McCutcheon be the starter? on that wildcard game. Will Brett Gardner, one of the most tenured 
if not the, I think he's the tied with CC for the most tenured Yankee on the team right now. Will he not start in the most important game of the season for Andrew McCutcheon? Because Hicks is in that lineup, and John Carlos in that lineup, and Judge is in that lineup, and that leaves a spot for McCutcheon or Gardner. Sanchez has been up and down. Yeah, he had a big home run two nights ago. Yeah, and any given moment, he can look like one of the best hitters in the league. But what will that lineup look like come the wild card game? And what type of credit or lack of credit or blame will Aaron Boone receive in regard to the decisions on the starting pitcher, the bullpen use, and the lineup? Got to look out for that. My second thing, I kind of mentioned it in in uh, my little soliloquy before. Obviously, this whole podcast is solo, so it's kind of just one giant soliloquy. This team's different than last year. There are guys who haven't exactly been here before. The Yankees are known for acting like you've been there before. But if you look up and down this lineup, there are some guys who have not been here before. And there are guys who have been leaned on by the Yankees all year long. Miguel Andujar, Glaber Torres, Giancarlo Stanton is not flush with playoff experience. Andrew McCutcheon was a, a, on the San Francisco Giants a couple months ago. Aaron Judge still coming back from an injury. D.D. Gregorius, we're going to be learning more about what his health will be very soon. And we will be lucky to see him suiting up for the Yankees come that wild card game. It sounds like it might happen, but for a while we didn't know. So you now need to evaluate. You now need to put faith in guys who have not exactly been here before. When you have a team that makes it to Game 7 of the uh, American League Championship Series, you would expect if they are back in the playoffs, there'll be a good number of guys who are just back with it for round two. Strangely enough, though, that is not the case here for the Yankees. I mean, I rattled off the names earlier. But there are six or seven key contributors to this team, maybe eight, who were not here last year. Whether they were in the minors, because they weren't here, like, called up yet, or they were on a different team, or they were just irrelevant. It's a different team. Who are you putting your faith in? I think you feel pretty good about saying Aaron Judge. You feel pretty good if uh, D.D. is in the lineup. He's going to be there. He's going to be in the middle of it. If and when Brett Gardner gets a start, you expect him to do something, to be that gritty leader, to foul off the pitches and just work something out. But who are you putting your faith in? The free swinging uh, Miguel Andujar, where... One at bat, he can swing at a first pitch and rock a double up the gap. Or, like you saw him do in the last uh, out of the loss to Tampa Bay last night, swing at a first pitch and pop up, foul out third base. Some people throughout this season have complained about Glaber Torres' defense. You trusting him? I mean, you have to, right? It'll be a Glaber day on the wild card game. He's a guy you're going to look at and say, need him to do something. One of these guys who have never been here before are going to get up in a big spot. Who do you want it to be? The newfound Yankee hero, Luke Voigt? 
the two stud rookies and Duhar Torres, or the savvy veteran and the new Yankee, Andrew McCutcheon. These are all things I'm super interested in. If you're a Yankees fan, I would love nothing more than if you hit me on Twitter at Kennedy with two Y's on the end. Just hit me on Twitter. Out of these guys, out of the veterans, McCutcheon and Gardner, who do you trust more? Who do you want in the lineup? Out of the rookies, who do you trust more? And Duhar? Torres? Luke Voigt? Who do you want starting the game? Is it Tanaka? Do you just throw some trust on Severino despite some struggles? Do you want to give it to the Mr. Consistency, or so he's been, Jay Happ? Or the savvy vet, CC Sabathia? There are decisions to be made here, right? And now I'm tying one and two together. You're a fan. You've been watching the team all along. You've been yelling at Aaron Boone. Maybe sometimes you support Aaron Boone. I don't know your opinion. I'm speaking in hyperbole over here. From what I see on Twitter and hear from friends and on the radio, a lot of people don't like him. What would you do? Put yourself on record, right? I want to see that. I want to see you put yourself on record and say, I would start Jay Happ. So if he starts Jay Happ and he shits the bed, you got to wear that one too. I don't want you crying about Aaron Boone. If you're telling me you put your faith in Brett Gardner and he goes over four, whoo, shouldn't be complaining about a new guy, Andrew McCutcheon, taking the spot. So I didn't want to do a ton on the Yankees because it's just out of line for me to just do breakdowns and, you know, talking about specific players and their performances and all this stuff. Because, frankly, I don't watch enough Yankees baseball day in and day out during football season, and that's been the past three weeks of my life. Sundays, occupado. Mondays, occupado. (laughs) Thursdays, occupado. Luckily, Mondays and Thursdays are off and off days. But frankly, I'm a Mets fan. I've been checked out of baseball for a bit. I keep a pulse on the Yankees. I watch some games. That's why I'm a little sad my man Alec Argento wasn't here today with me. But those are important things. And I'm going to put my two cents out there. Not that it means too, too much. But I want to see Masahiro Tanaka, despite the struggle in his last start, I want to see Masahiro Tanaka on the hump. He's been there. He can do it. And he's been very solid, consistent. Can get you to that seventh inning. I want to see Andrew McCutcheon in the starting lineup on the wild card game. And I want to see Miguel and Duhar. Miguel and Duhar up in a big spot. And the guy who's going to sneak up, the new Yankee hero, the guy people start to love, Luke Voigt. Love to see it, Luke Voigt. I mean, when he first got called up, oh, my God. People were like, who is this guy? Get him off the team. He's a scrub. What a bum. And now he's got to be a fan favorite. He's been doing a lot of great things on the baseball field. A lot of great things on the baseball field. So that's my Yankee talk here uh, on the SBNY pod. There are just some really interesting things to look forward to there. Some super interesting things. With Aaron Boone and this different team than you saw in the ALCS last year. Oh, and the last thing I wanted to talk about, the number three, I, I, I was thinking to myself, uh, I mentioned two of my three things I wanted to make sure I kept a keen eye on come the wild card game and hopefully beyond, is this debate that we had a lot this year in regards to money ball, the home run ball, home run or die. The Yankees depend too much on home runs. 
right? This whole narrative here that it's about, you know, no longer Binder Joe, but Binder Boone. They're just doing these things where they're giving people off days when they're hot and they're pulling guys seemingly randomly out of the uh, off the mound. All these things that are, are the by-the-book of baseball now, the new age thinking with analytics and swinging for the fences and launch angle and all these different words that you've heard throughout the season this year. And you hear people calling, well, don't you just need that bunt? Why can't you get in a little squeeze play to get in the run, a small ball, a sacrifice fly, move the runner, all these words that you hear people say who may or may not know a lot about baseball, may or may not understand analytics and the new age thinking in baseball, but no matter what you think about analytical baseball in the regular season, and I am a firm believer in the analytical baseball of the regular season where the on-base percentage means a lot over the course of time, obviously. like Things like that just cannot be disputed. And how strikeouts with nobody on base, not a big deal. These things that are so so easy for some of us to understand and get behind. And, uh, and swinging for a home run can be such a big difference, and that's why people are doing it. And, and like basically accepting the analytics in the regular season is easy. In some cases, for some people, obviously there are a lot of people who get very frustrated when, uh, you know, it happens to not work out and you don't score a run and you just wish you had a bunt for a hit and a tweet and a steal and a move the runner over and a sacrifice fly. You know, you get what I'm, I'm trying to say here. You get my point. So what I want to look out for is in this wild card game and hopefully beyond, I'm going to keep saying that because I don't want to jump ahead of myself, right? I don't want people to call me a jinx even though jinxes are not real, but Will people react accordingly if there is no small ball involved? Or will the Yankees also make some crazy changes or some seemingly uh, gutty calls and gritty calls to try to steal a bag or to try to move a runner over or try to lay down a bunt or not settle for a strikeout when you can be fighting balls off and get into that bullpen? Because there are some guys who do it, there are some guys who don't, right? If you watch Brett Gardner at the plate, he's going to fight and grit and grind, and he's not going to strike out. Well, he, I mean, he might, but he's going to try to not strike out. Aaron Judge and Giancarlo Stanton, they're going to strike out. They're going to try to drive the ball deep every time up at the plate. So there's some key differences here. And as Moneyball has proven over the long period of time, and I'm using the term Moneyball, A, because the movie is very memorable for people, and B, it's just kind of an, kind of an easy way to say the analytical teams, right? All these Moneyball teams, swing for the home run, take the walk, strike out, who cares, right? That whole thing. It's been proven to work pretty well in the regular season. It's been proven to work. Whether you like it or not, there are very clear signs that if done properly can get you to a winning record over the course of time and into the playoffs. But, like in the movie, the playoffs seem to be a different animal. Because, yeah, over the course of time, the percentages from analytics are going to play in your favor. But when you have to win one game, when you need maybe just one more run, you can take a risk on those percentages, and it can and it can turn out in your favor. Obviously, the contrary can happen. But what will the Yankees do in regards to that? Because over the course of time, over the course of the year, they're they're a big fly team. 
They're a home run team. I mean, they're darn close to breaking the record. And you got to think, if Aaron Judge wasn't hurt for a long portion of this season, uh, would that record be smashed already? The Yankees broke the record for most players on one team to hit over 25 home runs. And they are I'm pretty sure they're darn close to having one more person join that club. But in the one game, in the wild card game, how will the Yankees handle it? How will the A's handle it? How do the rest of the teams, like the Red Sox and Alex Cora, who seems to be a little bit more risky with his calls, how do they handle the postseason compared to the regular season? Do you continue to play the game? Do you pull a Houston Rockets, and even though something isn't working, you just keep chucking up 26 three-pointers in a row, hoping you might hit one? You may not have enough time. You may need to manufacture. You may need to move a guy over and hit a sack fly. That is my number three very interesting thing to see, especially how Aaron Boone handles that. Now, am I sitting here expecting Aaron Boone to call a bunt? (laughs) No, I am not. But is he going to give a sign to a guy to say, hey, you get this guy over to third, that's a pretty good move. We got a guy who can pop out and get a sack fly next to that bat. You know? Maybe you have uh, Luke Voigt or Hechevarria if he's playing. And you got a guy on second base. And you're you're looking at him like, hey, right side here, buddy. Hit it second. Need this guy on third. McCutcheon's up next. He can hit a fly ball. That's a run. Because you might only need one. So even though all season long, the whole, ah, oh, screw the analytics, binder boon, oh, get, come on, why are you taking this guy out? Why are you giving this guy a rest day? This guy's just swinging for the fences. Even though all regular season, that tires me out. It's honestly part of the reason that turns me off from baseball sometimes. People who don't understand that these people running teams are smarter than us. They know what they're doing. And over the course of a regular season, it's proven to work, right? That's, it tires me out during the regular season. But in the playoffs, in a one-game win-or-go-home scenario, I am totally on board with do whatever the hell it takes to win. Whether that means swipe a bag, move a guy over, play for a sack fly, and hey, maybe even bunt. Even though, seemingly in the majors, a lot of guys aren't very good at that. So I'd maybe stay away from the bunt, but I would not be surprised if there's a little small ball being played. So I very much look forward to the Yankees wildcard game. I mean... It's smack dab in the beginning of football, and I've been loving the football season to this point. The basketball season's so very close that I'm getting excited for that as well. Nick's training camp has started, and David Fisdale, let me tell you, the man can speak to the media pretty damn well. Give the guy a podcast or something. I mean, Fisdale stands in front of the cameras and gives these little snippets uh, about any particular player, whether it be Frank, Mitchell Robinson, Kevin Knox, even Noah Vonley. He's making me, he's buying me into Noah Vonley. He's like, guy looks like a ram out there. He's banging into people. He's playing hard. His effort's legit. And I'm just like, yeah, Noah Vonley's going to be stuck. Sorry, got distracted there for a second. Very excited about the Yankees wildcard game. <laughs> so excited that I started talking about the Knicks right away. Um, anyways, Yankees wildcard game coming at you. Look out for those three strings. Aaron Boone, how do people react? How does he handle the, the big spotlight? 
All the new guys in Duhar, Torres, McCutcheon, Voigt, Hap, Britain, so on and so forth. And then third, small ball versus big ball. Swinging for the fences or manufacturing a run? Let's see how it plays out. Could be a little bit of both. You might only need one, depending on uh, how that starting pitcher looks. So it'll be very, very interesting to see how that all plays out in the Yankees wildcard game and hopefully beyond, as I've been using that caveat throughout the most of this podcast. I might as well use it one more time. But now on to some football here. And, oh boy, the basketball talk's coming. So NBA fans, I know we got some NBA fans who listen to this podcast. Uh, the NBA talk is coming. Frank Villani, John Lucas Duffy will be with me on the SBNY podcast. Starting probably weekly next week, we're going to do our over-under podcasts. Uh, podcasts? That wasn't good English. For the Eastern Conference and Western Conference, we're going to break down the Knicks. Uh, honestly... I think the Nets are breakdown worthy. We don't always do a ton of Nets-specific content, but I think they might deserve it this year because they're damn interesting, if you ask me. And, I mean, let's be honest, the Lakers are going to be fascinating. The Boogie Cousins experiment in Golden State, fascinating. Melo in Houston, is that going to be a crap show again, or might it be good? We'll talk about it. I didn't even mention the Jimmy Butler possible trade. Is he going to end up in Miami? What do they mean in the in the Eastern Conference then? Kawhi Leonard in Toronto. Ah, ha, 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 ha. Will he laugh like a freaking lunatic again? I mean, he must be so nervous to laugh again if he just signed on the internet once in the past week. I mean, really. But, again, basketball is coming. We have football here, and that's time for me to talk about the New York Football Giants, New York Football Jets, and make my NFL Week 4 picks. And I'm going two out of three this week, guaranteed. Guaranteed. I have one I feel really good about. I have another one I feel strongly about. And a third, pretty good. Pretty good, right? So obviously the pretty good's going to hit, the very strong is going to miss, and the, <laughs> the middle one's a toss-up. I'm just kidding. Confidence, right? Confidence, people. All right, all right. Here we go. Anyways, New York Football Giants got a nice big win against the Houston Texans last week. And if you watch that game, basically from the get-go, first half, you feel pretty good about it, right? A lot of things to feel good about. And the Eli Manning conversation we actually dove deep into on last week's episode of the SBNY podcast, my man Dan Canova from NJ.com. And we, we weren't easy on him. We were ripping him up. We were bashing the athleticism. We were bashing his inability to create and to extend and to do the spectacular or even the extra special or even the very good in those first two weeks of football. It was tough to watch. But against Houston, and even though J.J. Watt got his and there was three sacks, and even though there were plenty of moments where that O-line was not exactly sturdy, there was a new energy, a newfound spirit, and a newfound creativity, it seemed, with the New York Giants offense. And I'd be remiss to say that it didn't have anything to do with Mr. Right Tackle Eric Flowers not being in the lineup. Now, I was listening to radio, driving back from a mall or something on Sunday morning before the game started, and uh, I think it was Myron Medcalf or something like that on ESPN Radio. He mentioned about Eric Flowers, and this is not a New York Giants show, by the way. This is a national program. 
he was on. It's just a, a very general NFL preview show. He starts talking about the Giants for a hot second, and he brings up Eric Flowers and how he will not be getting the start. And he went on to say something so very obvious, but so very correct and spot on. He said, Eric Flowers is the most known offensive lineman in the league right now. And that either means you're doing awesome or absolutely terrible. And frankly, we know which side Eric Flowers was on in that conversation. Now, did his replacement do great? No, he he did fine. He made some good plays. He had a really good block on one of Saquon's runs. He got smoked by J.J. Watt, which is expected a couple times. But the new energy, the new energy really brought a feeling of addition by subtraction. It really did. It could have been anybody out there, and Giants fans would have had more faith. For real. As a Giants fan, how much more confidence did you have as soon as you heard that he wasn't getting the nod? As soon as you heard that Eric Flowers was not going to be the starter for the Giants? Where did your mind go? Did you instantly think we have a chance? Because I did. (laughs) It's so sad. But literally in the first half, it might have been the second play. And, uh... Chad Wheeler made a block on a run, let Saquon get loose for like a first down or something, and I, and it was on. And I thought we had a chance. Now, granted, like I said, he did not look specifically great the rest of the game. He brought a new energy. He brought a passion. And it was a lot more watchable to see the Giants play offense. And Eli Manning. Do I owe him an apology? I'm not going to go that far. It's not like I freaking said the guy can't play. Oh, maybe I did. But it's not like I said this guy couldn't do anything. I said he needed some time, and I said he needed to step up to make quicker decisions. He needed to do some extending of plays to just to just give himself a chance, to give the offense a chance. And he actually did that against Houston. He actually did that against Houston. But it's just one win. It's a win that's very great because we were underdogs, six-point underdogs, on the road nonetheless. But this week against New Orleans Saints, it's not fully about the offense. Because if you watch the Saints this year, the defense hasn't looked spectacular. They've given up a lot of points so far this year. Just stunk out a game in overtime against the Falcons last week. They lost to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in week one and gave up over 40 points in both. So what I'm more interested in about this week, I know we talked a lot about Eli Manning last week, I'm more interested in the Giants' defense. Can they hold up? Can they slow down? Can they cause some turnovers? Because another thing I said in regard to the New York Giants last week was non in not, not regarding Eli Manning. I'm looking at this defense. Because even with the Giants seemingly, and I'm doing air quotes here, good offense last week, still didn't score 30 points. Still got stymied a lot in the second half. Still had Eli Manning, still forcing Eli Manning to make too quick of decisions and missing on some throws or having to check down, not letting routes develop. These things still happened, right? And I still expect them to happen. And in the mid-20s, if we get into the mid-20s in points, we have a chance to win a game. It comes down to the defense. And what the defense did last week is cause a turnover in the red zone. And those are the types of things that change games, that flip 
a game on its head. Michael Thomas has been on an absolute tear. Alvin Kamara is still very good. Uh, is there going to be a sophomore slump at some point? Very possible. But this guy can make plays in the run game, in the pass game, and Drew Brees is a goddamn Hall of Famer. Can the Giants create a turnover or two? Can they slow down Michael Thomas? Can they can they hold this team under 30? Because we know that this, this Giants team is not going to be an extremely dynamic offense. And even though the New Orleans Saints defense has struggled, if I told you the Giants scored 24 points, they need to put in work against the New Orleans Saints offense to win that game. They need to force turnovers. They need a fumble recovery, a pick, a punt return for a touchdown. I mean, for real. Drew Brees and the New Orleans Saints put up numbers. They run the ball up and down the field. And I don't care how good the Giants' offense looked last week because it didn't look fantastic. It just looked way better to what we were expecting. They were getting first downs, completing drives. Great. Still didn't score 30. Is that enough for the New Orleans Saints? Now, this is a home game for the Giants here. It's a 4 o'clock start. Should be fun, right? And they are, in fact, 3.5-point underdogs at home. So, in theory, that's about a 9-point underdog in New Orleans. So, I do think uh, playing in New York will help them stay in this game. But in order to win, I think the Giants have to hold them to about 21 to 24 points because it's still tough for me, even though even though the offense looked a lot better last week, still tough for me to see them scoring over 30 or, God forbid, well over 30. So if you want to see the Giants win this game, you got to hope for a 24-21, 27-24. But holding the Saints ain't that easy. And that's why if I were a betting man, but I don't really bet on the Giants, but if I were a betting man, I would be hard-pressed to take the Giants in this battle. Because even though it's a home game, even though we looked better last week, even though there were a lot of great things to pull from, the O-line still wasn't great. It was just better. Eli still wasn't great. He was just better. Saquon, Odell, Sterling Shepard all looked really solid. Eli actually looked really good on a couple throws. Really good. I'll give him it. The Saints put up points. And unless the Giants can hold them under 24, my faith is very low. And in regard to the New York Jets, Sam Darnold has been uh, weirdly up and down. Weirdly looked at here. Uh, obviously the fantastic week one, and then they blew it last week against the Cleveland Browns, which feels like a long time ago, right? I mean, I guess it hasn't even been a week since uh, Baker Mayfield took the league by storm on Thursday night, and Sam Darnold was a little mediocre for a rookie, on the rookie scale mediocre at best. So it was a tough loss for the Jets, and um, it was even the run game that got them the early lead. Isaiah Crowell looked really good. Don't lose your faith in Sam Bradford. But also, you shouldn't quite have that faith for this week. Unfortunately, rookie quarterbacks can make plays. Unfortunately, I mean, not unfortunately. Fortunately, rookie quarterbacks can make plays and can catch people off guard. And, uh, you know, especially with limited game film, can really put points on the board, but also rely on the run game and and combine combine everything to put together a well-balanced game, right? You can, like last week, you can get a couple big runs from Crowell, 
Maybe a dump pass breaks open. Sam's willing to take some risk. Maybe one of them hits up on Robbie Anderson, catches it in the end zone, and he could put up some points, right? He could make some plays. He can make things happen. He can get out of the pocket, keeps his eyes downfield really well. All these things are true. But unfortunately, he's playing the Jacksonville Jaguars this week. And if we remember back to when the New York Giants played the Jaguars, and then when the Patriots played the Jaguars, and then even last week, even though the Jaguars' offense looked horrible, they still basically gave up nothing from their defense. So if I were a betting man, I would actually be a little more likely to take the Jets here. They're getting 7.5 on the road. I can see them covering that spread, but I do not have very much confidence for the Jets to win this game. The Jaguars' defense is too good. Their offense just came off a horrible performance against the Tennessee Titans. Horrible. And I don't expect a team with that much talent to fall short two weeks in a row. I believe the Jaguars will get a win. Very strongly. But if I were a betting man, and I don't bet on the Jets very much either, stay away from my New York teams, I actually think the Jets can keep this close. But if you're looking for Sam Darnold to have a big week, you might have to wait until next week. Because the Jaguars' defense is super-duper legit. We all know it. And this is going to be a real test for him. The Browns' defense is super legit. We didn't all know that. We know the Jaguars' defense is legit. You know they're watching what people have done to Sam Darnold over these first three weeks to make him uncomfortable, to force him into tough decisions, and they plan on doing exactly that. This is a big test for Sam Darnold this week. Big test. Can he put points on the board? Can he finish drives? Will he rely on his run game too much? Will he force? Will he get forced into bad decisions and taking sacks? He doesn't seem like he likes to take sacks. That's one thing I kind of noticed with Sam. He doesn't want to be sacked. He wants to make the ball move downfield, and that's where you can get into danger. Throw it away, Sam. Take a sack here and there. Live to see another day. The Jaguars can put it on you in a hurry from the defensive end if you force things downfield when they're not there. That being said, you know, 21-14, 17-13 could be this game. I don't mind the Jets with the points, but I really like the Jaguars to win this game. Will be a tough one for Sam Darnold. And now into the last segment of the SBNY podcast here. It's where we make our NFL weekly picks. And since it's just me here on the solo SBNY podcast, just got three picks for you here. Uh, nothing from anybody else. Our guy Dan, actually, I think he did one and two last week. I have to check. I have to go back and remember. Uh, but me, I was one and two last week. I was a big hit on the Ravens, but uh, that was my only hit of the week, unfortunately. So this week, I feel more confident. Like I said earlier, I have three picks that I really like. One, I feel very strongly about. I'll say that one for last. My second one, I feel solid, pretty strong about. And the last one, I like. I do like it. All right? So I'm going to start with that one. And the reason why I like this one, only like it, is because the team I'm betting against tends to just kind of ruin you when you go against them. Right? So unless you bet on the Lions last week, which I actually will be proud to say that I did. Not on this podcast, but in real life. The Patriots have this way of when you go on and go against them, they'll really come back and bite you. And if you just bet on them over and over again, you'll probably end up being a happy camper. But 
this week at home, minus seven against the Miami Dolphins. Miami Dolphins are three and zero. Everybody knows they're leading the AFC East. The New England Patriots are one and two. We've heard this story before, right? Yeah, we we have. We've seen the Patriots struggle early in seasons before. But this one, even though I think they're going to win this game, I'm giving seven points. They do not have serious offensive weapons here. And Josh Gordon will likely be playing. I get it. But the Miami Dolphins' defense is legitimate. And I expect them to kind of do what the teams, what the Lions did to them uh, last week. Is absolutely hammer Rob Gronkowski from start to finish. Multiple guys lined up over him. Hammering him off the line. Don't let him get comfortable. Force Chris Hogan. Force Josh Gordon. Force Cordell Patterson and James White to make plays. And maybe Josh Gordon will make a big play. Maybe he'll make two. This is the one occasion where I need to see it to believe it with the New England Patriots. It's also the type of game that if the Patriots win by 30, you know what, I'm going to wear it on the cheek. I'm going to wear it on the cheek. But if in this specific occasion, I hate going against the Patriots, if I were to take that minus 7 and it was a hard-fought game where Brady's struggling to move the ball, he's going 3 and out over and over again like he did against Detroit, and it's a tight one, and he comes back and has a last-minute drive, and they win by three or they win by five or something like that, and then they don't cover the spread, I'm going to be mad at myself because I do- I wasn't using my eyes. And what I've watched over the past three weeks is that the Patriots don't have a lot of skill on the offensive side. Their offensive line is not great. It's not what it usually is. Their defense is nothing special at this very moment. Do I expect them to be 11-5? and five? Or 10 and 6 and win the AFC East? Yes, obviously. I'm not an idiot. I'm not going to stand up here and project the Miami Dolphins to win the AFC East just yet. I mean, you have to be a wild man to say that. But the Dolphins have some legit players, some legit playmakers Albert Wilson, Jakeem Grant, Kenny Stills, Kenyon Drake. The defenses look solid. Don't think they're going to win. I think it's a classic Tom Brady uh, four minute drive at the end of the game, kick a field goal, go up by three punching a touchdown to go up by four, something to that nature. I'd like the Dolphins plus seven. My next pick is a team that I bet on, not on the podcast, but in real life, like I mentioned before, the Detroit Lions. They are getting three points at Dallas. And frankly, I don't think Dallas is very good at football. <laughs> frankly, Dag Prescott has been a not mediocre, but a below average quarterback over his past nine, ten games going back to last year. This defense has some real players on the defensive line. Absolutely facts. Absolutely facts. But the Detroit Lions can put points on the board. When you put Matt Stafford out there, he he's the type of quarterback who can combat a good defensive line because he can move, he can get rid of it quick, he can hang on to it and chuck it downfield. They got guys to go get it. Marvin Jones go gets it. Kenny Galladay goes, goes and gets it. on Johnson... It was their first 100-yard rusher last week in a long time. They got confidence from the run game. They have LeGarrette Blunt. They have Kerryon Johnson. I have a little more I have little I have more faith in the Lions offense than I do in the Dallas defense, which is solid. Which is solid. But I put Stafford, and he's almost like a poor man's Russell Wilson. He can pull a, a rabbit out of a hat. He can he can really do the spectacular. And he consistently puts points on the board. And people, even though the Lions beat up on the Patriots last week, people still have a bad taste in their mouth 
with Stafford and the Lions from week one against the Jets. And I don't believe the Cowboys are that good. Even though it's in Jerry's world, they're clearly better at home. I don't think their offense can keep up. I do not believe they can put points on the board the way the Lions can. I think Stafford, getting three points, has a real chance to win this game for the Lions. I think it comes down to the end. My best bet is that the Lions actually win this one outright in a last-minute drive, about 24-21, something like that. I like the Lions here getting three at Dallas against the Cowboys. And my last one, my lock of the week, my best bet of the week, is going against some of the people, well, not some of the people, the one person who many people want to see succeed, possibly more than anyone else this week. And definitely the guy people wanted to see succeed last week when he entered the game with two minutes to go in the first half on Thursday night against the New York Jets. I'm going against Baker Mayfield here. The Oakland Raiders have had this really weird start to the season where they actually are leading games around halftime and in the third quarter where Derek Carr is actually putting up numbers and their defense, other than you know not really sacking the quarterback, has looked fine. I mean, granted, the Rams kind of got on them in the second half, but it's the Rams. We think they're like the best team in the league. Right? You can't take much in, into that game. The Oakland Raiders lost to the Dolphins in Miami. That's not a tough that's not an easy game right there. And they lost in a very close one where Ryan Tannehill basically iced the game at the end. And in week two at Denver, another tough game. The Broncos screamed back at the end. Raiders were in control for most of it. And they just come back and win by a point. Just by a point. Two tough losses on the road. A loss at home to possibly the best team in the league. This 0-3 feels a lot better than some other 0-3s. They were not favorite in any of these games. As they should not have been. Now... They're at home against the Cleveland Browns, two-and-a-half-point favorite. They have a half and a drive worth of tape on Baker Mayfield. Okay, that could be a little bit tough. That could be a little bit of a setback. Not having a ton of tape on the starting quarterback for a team, all right? But Baker Mayfield didn't throw a ball into the end zone successfully last week. Yeah, he led a bunch of good drives. Yeah, they punched it into the end zone. But he is truly a rookie quarterback. And I know he got people so excited last week, and it was electric, and he was making these tight window throws down the middle of the field, and it was super fun. And I was rooting for him last week, big time. But there's a thing that happens in sports where people get too hyped up because they saw something in prime time, and, and, and it's the guy they want to root for, and it's Baker Mayfield, the number one pick, and people are like, oh, he came in magical last week. Last week. He's going to be great again this week. The Raiders are 0-3. They stink. That's exactly when I want to go for the Raiders. <laughs> you got them right where you need them. The Raiders have led each and every one of their three games in the third quarter. Now, does that bode well for them finishing games? Maybe not. But like I said, they played the Rams, who might be the best team in the league. They played at Denver, which is never easy. And they had a screen back at the end and just snuck out a win. The Dolphins are 3-0 and really have, have walked over their competition to this point. And uh, they beat the Raiders in Miami. 
I don't believe Baker Mayfield will be very comfortable playing in Oakland. And I think Derek Carr and that offense actually can move the ball. I'm going Oakland Raiders minus two and a half at home versus the Cleveland Browns. And that's part scientific, unscientific there with my thought about people just being too hyped up on the magic that was Baker Mayfield last week to where I want to go opposite that. And I think that's a, a smart way to bet. Go against the hype. My against the hype pick is the Oakland Raiders. And also, if I'm just putting up offense against offense, defense against defense, the Browns definitely have a better defense than the Oakland Raiders. But the Raiders have a tremendously better offense. And Derek Carr can put points on the board, and he's at home. And they're hungry for the first win. And John Gruden has unsuccessfully went for it on fourth down in two of the games that really cost him. If I'm a betting man, I'm betting that if he goes for that fourth down again, it's going to work. If he even needs to. I like the Raiders to win this one outright. Minus two and a half at home. So quick recap. Miami Dolphins getting seven at New England. Detroit Lions getting three at Dallas. And the Oakland Raiders minus two and a half at home against the Cleveland Browns. Baker Mayfield hype is real. He's going to be a real good NFL quarterback. Feel good about that. But when the hype gets too high, I go the other way. And that's what I'm doing with the Oakland Raiders this week. NFL Week 4 picks. All right, people. This has been fun. The SBNY Podcast. NFL Week 4 picks are in the books. Yankees wildcard game around the corner. Going to be a very exciting time in sports, especially if the Yankees can win that wildcard game and get into the next round. We'll have NBA basketball, Knicks-Nets. We'll have NFL football, Giants-Jets, Yankees playoffs. Let's go. SBNY Podcast will be covering it all. Stay tuned next week for NBA Outsiders. Uh, Overrunners, Eastern Western Conference, that's coming soon. Obviously, we got football and football picks every single week. And stay tuned for more baseball coverage as the Yankees hopefully make a run to make this real fun for all of us. All right, SBNY Podcast. My name is Pete Kennedy. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. And have a great weekend. Enjoy your football Sunday.